Um, it's a blessing to be here with you again this new year. Um, we had, a, we had a, a really nice word from Pastor Rod last week, um, you know, kind of giving us direction what God wants for us individually, but also as a church. And um, let's read these two texts. In James chapter 4, uh, the whole chapter, James chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Um, warning against worldliness. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is not to this purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, your double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will leave and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. And now we will read from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. The Pharisee and the tax collector. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, 
but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning that you will speak into our hearts and into our lives. May your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword come into our lives and um, just penetrate into the areas that you need to, to deal during this year, Lord. We humbly come before you, Lord, not boasting on what we have or what we possess, but asking your grace and mercy, Lord. May you speak into our hearts. May you change our hearts. May you transform us to get us closer to God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So the title of the message is Growing in Grace, but I kind of changed the title as I was doing it. So if you're taking notes, it is Growing in Grace, but I also put Journeying with God, like, because I, I felt that the text that I'm doing in James, it's not something that you just do once and it's done. I felt that it's something that you have to do on a daily basis in order to see the results of, what, of, you know, of our life being transformed by God. And uh, when I looked at the meaning of this word journeying, you know, it comes from the French word of journey. I don't know any French, but if you do know, journey, that is, it, it meant a day's travel or a day's work. And in the, um, and it was this, this word was based on the Latin for diurnum, which was, uh, which is uh, a daily portion. So I thought that would be a, a really good way of, of talking about this text, because it's not something, like I said, that you do once and it's done, but it's a daily portion, it's a daily journey, it's a daily thing that you have to do on a daily basis. Um, some facts about the book of James, the whole book of James, is that um, James is actually the Greek name given to Jacob, Jesus' half-brother. His writings were much influenced by the Sermon of the Mount and also by the book of Proverbs. Um, and then this letter was written, um, James wrote this letter to the Jewish Christ Christian that was scattered around the known world and um, only has five chapters. So if you want to you know, um, read uh, an easy book, this is a great book. It has lots of great insights for us as Christians. Um, like I said at the beginning, the reason why Pastor Rodney didn't say, I want you to preach about this or that, you know, it's an open, uh, you know, choose anything. And I think sometimes it's even harder to choose anything because you don't want to just choose anything. You want to choose the right thing. So um, I felt that God was saying, you know, the best thing to do is kind of keep on um, constructing of something that I gave already. And so last week there, were, there was a... Lots of things that Pastor Rod said, but the, the two things that I'm going to focus on today is submitting to God and resisting the devil. Because, you know, how do we submit to God and how do we resist the devil? Because Pastor Rod said, God said, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and you will win this year. So, okay, how do I submit to God and how do I resist the devil on, on the things that I actually do? So... 
looking into the book of James, the, the ch chapter 4 is teaching us about um, how, to, how do we as uh, people get closer to God. And, and the book, and, and chapter 4 is also um, a, cha a chapter that is dealing a lot with heart issues, with the heart issues. Um, it's talking about how the, the, the people, the, 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 the readers of this book, they were living in a world just like us where, you know, we are constantly at work with the things of the world and the spiritual things. You know, if, if you're at work in your daily things that you have to do, you constantly have to choose. Am I going to do the, am I going to live in the truth or am I going to also do some lines in between. So a very easy example, very simple one. You know, if you're um, traveling on the train and the gates are open, so you don't need to put the Oyster card or your debit card on it at all, are you going to choose that day to say, oh, God is so good, he's blessed me today, I don't have to pay because the doors are open, that means I don't have to make the payment. You know, you either choose to do the right thing, and doing the right thing is sometimes doing it when nobody sees you, which will be that case. Nobody sees you, and then per perhaps you know that on the way out where you're going, the, the gates are always open, so you have a free ride that day. Is that the right thing, or am I doing the wrong thing? What am I going to choose? So the people that this book was written to, they were um, being exhorted by James saying, are you going to choose the things of the world or are you going to choose the spiritual things that God has called you to, to live upon? And so what we see in verses 1 and 2 in chapter 4, it's, it, he's basically saying, you know, what is, why are you constantly fighting? Don't you know why you're constantly fighting? And at the same time, he, he's giving them the answer. You are constantly fighting because you are fighting, you want your own thing, you want to make your own uh, will, you want to make your own decisions, you don't want to be submitted under God. And, and so, how do I submit myself to God? I'm going to give you three, three ways that we see how we can submit ourselves to God and also three things, there's probably a lot more, how we resist the devil, but I'm just going to focus on those. And you will see that the three things that you have to do to submit yourselves to God are very similar to the three things you have to do to resist the devil. Because I think sometimes we forget, you know, God doesn't give us things that are so difficult that we cannot do. If, if, if anything, he gives us things that are so easy that you almost feel like, really, is that all I have to do? Uh, because, you know, God knows what we can do and what we cannot do. So how do I submit to God? Number one, we submit to God when we become God's friends. We submit to God when we become God's friends. Spiritually speaking, the Christians, in verse 4, if we read verse 4, can we put verse 4 up there? When, when, we, when we see, okay, it, it's, it's a strong word. It says, adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes, makes himself an, an enemy of God. When he's talking about adulterous people, he's speaking in, in the sense of spiritually. You know, the Bible says that we are the God's bride. We are, we are the Lord's bride. And when we are having this um, 
if you call it friendship or, or, or desires of the world, then we become God's enemy. So how do I become God? Uh, uh, sorry, how do I submit to God when I become God's friend? James, James is not saying something that is obvious to us. But what he's saying is that we can be friends some, with, the, with both the world and also with God. You know, it's, it's, it's what uh, Jesus said on, on the parable. You know, you can't have two lords and, and love them both because you either love one and hate the other. And that is the same thing for, for us. And now it's something that's important and I want to highlight this. What does it mean to not be friends with the world? It doesn't mean that we as Christians completely block out anyone who's not a Christian because that, that would be the wrong thing to do. That, that is not what the text is saying. That is not what God wants us to, to, to do. What he's saying is that we, the culture in which we live, like I said, you either choose to live, to live and to walk in life and in truth or you choose to do the wrong thing and to live in lies and deception. Sometimes uh, the culture of the world, you know, if you want to get the best job, then you have to step over anyone. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you have seen uh, the program The Apprentice. The Apprentice is a clear example, and maybe not even just The Apprentice, but any of these shows that you see on TV, you know, like uh, Big Brother is another one. Uh, I don't really like Big Brother, but The Apprentice, I used to like uh, watching it quite a lot. But one of the things that you see over and over again, obviously the characters change and the names change, but the spirit is there. You know, the people who uh, are going to end up winning, they sometimes uh, mainly tend to be very quiet at the beginning, like, so that nobody notices them. That's their, I don't know, their, their trick. But then eventually towards the end, they become, and, and if they have to fight for the chance to stay in the apprentice in the boardroom, then they will fight. You know, they will speak up, they will, they will slander anyone, they will um, raise their voice if they have to. That's the, the, that's the way of the world. Whereas Jesus is saying, do you want to be the first? Do you want to be the winner? Then you have to be a servant to all. And that's a really hard thing to do, to serve people that... Um, are mean and bad to me. It's not an easy thing. But that's what the scripture is saying. You want to be friends with God? You want to submit to God? He wants us to be humble. I'm going to uh, talk on that eventually. If we, the, the book of James, the other thing that is, is clearly saying us, there is a wisdom. There is a wisdom of the world, and there is a wisdom that is the wisdom of God. Chapter 3 talks a lot about that, but chapter 4 carries on on that topic. So the wisdom of the world, the Bible says, is, is uh, evil uh, and even demonic to some, uh, to some extent. The wisdom of God is completely different. And, and, you know, we cannot, there are some things that you can compare, but the things of the world and the things, the spiritual things of God sometimes cannot be compared. Because, for example, uh, the, uh, in order for us to win something, we have to, lay down our lives. You know, in, in the scripture you said, do you, if you want to um, be rich, if you want to be rich in, in, spiritually in the kingdom of God, you need to give up what you have. So it doesn't make sense logically here in, in, the, in, in, in the world that we live. Because if I want to, you know, have my bank account filled with money, I need to keep on putting money in, the, in it, not taking out and, and, and giving it away. 
but to fill up my bank account. But that, that, doesn't, that, is, that is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, if I want to be rich and I want to have real riches, it says I need to be generous. I need to give to those who are in need. It's, it's completely opposite on some things. Second thing I need to do to be able to um, be a uh, to submit to God is we need, uh, it's, um, sorry, uh, okay, it's when we receive God's grace, when we receive God's grace. So one, when we become God's friends, number two, when we receive God's grace. Now, what does this mean? God's grace, uh, it will, it will, we will read verse six and verse seven of um, James 4, verse 6 and 7 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will free from you. How, how do we receive God's grace? Um, I, it, it reminds me of the text in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says this. So then, Romans 5, verse 20. So then, the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, whenever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. A commentary on this text of Romans says something really, really important. Because, you know, we talk about, it says where grace, uh, sorry, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. When Paul writes this text in, in Romans, he uses a prefix called hyper. In other words, saying that uh, will be translated as hyperabundant grace. In other words, he's saying that there is an endless fountain of grace that has been opened for us in Christ. Sometimes the enemy deceives us that our sin, that the things that we have done is so big, it's so big that really you have no forgiveness, that you, there is no way that God could ever forgive you. And that is such a big lie because when we look at the text in Romans, it talks about that God's grace, his favor, his love, his mercy is hyper, is even greater, it's bigger. So, but it's, it's, this is a spiritual revelation that we need to receive in our spirits. So I pray that today you will be able to leave this place knowing that you submit to God when you receive of his grace, when you understand that his grace is so big that no, no matter how big your sin is or your sin was, his grace is much, much bigger than that and that he is that loving father that, that is waiting for us, his children, to understand, to understand the love that he has for us. We, ha we um, submit ourselves to God when we have a humble attitude in verse 7. When we have a humble attitude, a Christian, Christians need to understand that a humble attitude, you know, we can know a lot of things, and, and, and I think there are some situations where as a Christian, you need to stand your ground. And, um, and be, being humble does not mean that you are, um, that you don't know anything. You know, sometimes, I don't know, when you go to certain meetings, people have this uh, 
um, expression on themselves. Like, you know, they know everything. You cannot teach them anything. They, they know everything. They are so clever. But as Christians, what does it mean, humility for us? What does being humble mean for us as Christians? To, to, in, a, in, all, in order to submit to God, we need to be humble. Now, um, the text in Proverbs that it makes reference to this, in Proverbs 3.34, it says, Towards the scorners, he's scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Or that very word could also be grace. To the humble, God gives grace. God gives favor. There's something special that takes place in our hearts when we recognize and acknowledge that we need to have a humble attitude. What is the opposite of being humble? It's proud. And I don't know if I've said it to you, but um, I've heard it before that uh, a person who's proud is like someone who has bad breath. Everybody around you knows that you have a bad breath except the person who has the bad breath. So that's a very convicting thing because how do I know, Lord, if I am a proud person? How do I know? I think the only way you can know is, first of all, being real to yourself and really getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, if I have a, an attitude of pride, Lord, help me. And, but we're going to see. We're going to see how, how, do we, how do we overcome, if we do have an attitude of, of pride, how do we overcome that? How do we become humble? And it's actually in reference to resisting the devil. Now, resistance, resisting the devil, resistance requires us to actively pull away. So when you're in the gym, or even, even if you're not in the gym, I know during, during January, everybody wants to sign up to either lose weight or to go to the gym. And that is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a great thing. So when you're in the gym or if you decide to exercise, you know, for example, if you exercise, uh, what actually is going to make a change in your body is, is actually using either your own body or using machines. And machines have resistance, right? So uh, I, I I'm not going to be able to do it, but say I'm, I'm doing push-ups. For the push-ups to be effective on my arms is because I'm pushing all of my weight on my arms. That is resistance. I am resisting. I am using my, my arms to do that. Same thing for us. When we resist the devil, it requires that I, I pull away. I really have to pull away. Either pull away physically or pull away. Physically, like moving away from something, or, or it requires me to pull away maybe from the thoughts. You know, sometimes you could be in any place. It happened to me last week. Um, I was um, doing some, well, something happened actually, something happened that, that brought these thoughts in my mind of, it was thoughts of um, like sadness, of um, like, you know, when you have no power to do something, like you really can't change something, you know, when you just feel down maybe a little bit like uh, just feeling so down that you can't change something. I, that feeling came to me, that thought came to my mind, you know? So what did I do? I didn't went into my room to cry because there is, you know, no hope. I, I began to pray and I began to say, God, only you can make this right. Only you can change the hearts. Only you can change the circumstances. There is nothing I can do. That's why I feel hopeless. And God changed something in me. 
God changed. So that is resisting the devil. When those thoughts come into your mind, silly thoughts sometimes. I didn't understand, you know. Uh, uh, last year when we did one of the um, Sunday focus upstairs and we were dealing with the, spirit, the spiritual things, the spiritual world, Pastor Rod mentioned that, um, that one day he was loaning the mall, uh, yeah, loaning the mall, and then that he had this silly thought, what if you put your leg on it or something like that, something weird. And then when he said that, it, it clicked in my mind. Like sometimes I have those silly thoughts in my mind as well. Sometimes I think silly stuff that doesn't make any sense. And then I understood, okay, this is a spiritual attack that the enemy uses. So these are not my thoughts. These are thoughts that the enemy tries to put in my mind that are just silly. Now I know how to overcome them. So same thing for us. If, if a silly thought comes into your mind, something weird that you think, wait, where is this coming from? Recognize it, acknowledge it. That is the moment that you need to resist the devil. That is the moment that you need to take hold of that thought, take it captive into, and, 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 and cast it out of your mind and change it with something from, you know, from what God wants you to do. That's how we resist the devil. We resist the devil when we draw near to God. In verse 8, it says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Which is, it, it, looks, it sounds very simple. It sounds really simple. You know, I draw near to God, and God comes near to me. In other words, I get closer to God, and God gets closer to me. And one of the things that, that, that is amazing when we actually understand about the love of God and, and, and his desire for us, is that God, God knows us. God knows that we are weak. God knows that we fail constantly. So please, I'm not preaching here and telling you that I am the perfect Christian and that I never make any mistakes and I am so good because that is not the case. I am, I am, um, I make mistakes. Sometimes I do things that are wrong. Sometimes I say the wrong things at the wrong time. I am not perfect. I understand that. But I am so grateful to God that even with my imperfections, he has chosen to use my life. And I think that makes a big difference. You know, when you understand that you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you, but he wants to use you as you are. And that makes a big difference in our lives. So when we come closer to God and God gets closer to us, there's, you know, I remember last year in some of the preachings, uh, especially the, the preachings the pastor wrote did on, on shame, there were some things like, I felt so convicted by the Holy Spirit which led me to do a, a change in my life. And it wasn't that Pastor Rod knew anything of the things that were going on in my head, of the things that I knew I needed to make right. But yet, God, the Holy Spirit, he knows the things that we need. And he will speak into each one of our lives in the way that we need to change certain things. God is good. God is so good. Number two, 
How do I resist the devil? I resist the devil when I acknowledge my wrong, when I acknowledge my sin. This is what James was addressing to the church. He was saying, you know, in verses 8 and 9, it says, you know, let your joy be turned into mourning. Let your laughter be turned into cry. And I didn't understand that text. I said, why? Why is he saying that when God says that the other way around, God says, let your mourning be turned into joy. Let your, your cries be turned into laughter. Let your weeping be turned into, into, into dance. Why is James now telling me the other way around? Why is he telling me that I, sh I should cry and I should be in mourning and I should be sad? And it's because he's talking, when you acknowledge your sin, when you realize that you've done something wrong, that you have really done something that's offended God, that should turn your, your, your situation. It should make you have a, um, a desire to say, Lord, what I've done is wrong. To have a, a sense of repentance. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about repentance. Repentance for the things that we have done wrong. Repentance, such a powerful word. Because rep true repentance should really make us feel that we've done something wrong. It should really do bring tears into our eyes. Uh, not, not of guilt, but of, of really hurting somebody. Really knowing that I've hurt God. Of really knowing that what I did was wrong, maybe to some people, maybe I wronged people and, and I'm, I've hurt them, so I need to apologize to, for the things that I've done. It's basically, this text is calling us to engage in an emotional response to sinfulness. In other words, it's like it's that, that should be a season of, of repentance, we should, that we recognize our own sin. You know, when it says, cleanse your hands, purify your heart, mourn and weep. And, but this season of grief is not meant to be a lifestyle or a pattern. It doesn't mean that now constantly you're going to bring up that sin and constantly you're going to be crying and weeping about it. No, you acknowledge that that was wrong. You weep and you cry before the Lord and then your mourning will be turned into joy. Then your, your cry will be turned into laughter. But you have to go through that process that you acknowledge that what you did was wrong, that that was not the right way of doing things, that, that that was not God's will for my life when I acknowledge my wrong, when I, when I acknowledge my sin. And then finally, I resist the devil when I humble myself before the Lord. In other words, either you're going to pursue the world's way of doing things, or you're going to pursue God's way of doing things. But you can't pursue both ways because they both end up at two different extremes, two different ways. And then God is saying that he will exalt us when the right time comes, that he, if we humble ourselves before God, he will exalt us. And so when I was doing this, um, uh, developing the message, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind the story of the tax collector and this uh, Pharisee. And it's, if, you, if you use your imagination, if you use your imagination, you, first of all, the Pharisee was uh, as a man who had studied the law of God. He was a man who, who knew the word of God 
uh, you know, who, who had been taught for, and, and that was all they did, just being taught the word of God. And it was a man who, you know, if you look on paper, he was doing all the things that were right. He was giving his tithes, he was fasting twice a week, he was praying at the temple, he was probably doing his sacrifices like the Old Testament commanded them to do. And so he, he wasn't, um, when he was praying to God that day, he wasn't lying. Everything he was saying was the truth. Everything he had been saying to God was what he was actually doing. But God wasn't so much interested on the things that were coming out of his mouth as much as he was interested on the things that were on his heart. Heart is what God is interested in us. He's not interested on the things that you do on the physical appearance, on the exterior. He's interested on what's in your heart. This tax collector, it's, can you imagine praying in the temple? I imagine he even, he stood up proud. Maybe either lifting up his hands, you know, with pride or, or like this, I don't know. But he had a sense of pride in him. And he was saying, thank you, God. And probably speaking loud so people around him will hear him. Because when they would give the offering, you know, they would do it with loads of coins so everybody could hear, oh, they're giving a lot of money. So probably speaking out loud and saying, thank you, God, that I fast twice a week, that I give my tithing of everything, just in case, of everything. Uh, thank you. And then he goes, and thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. His heart was in the wrong place. He wasn't a, a man with a humble attitude. He was a proudful man. And can I just read to you the, the, same, the same text, but in the Message Bible. The Message Bible is a, a, a translation that I, I find it really interesting to read. So it says, he told this next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a taxman. The Pharisee posed, posed, there you go, so he had a, this pose about himself, and prayed like this, oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this taxman. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, now this is the humble attitude. Now remember, this taxman, in, in, in the time of Jesus' time, he was the worst type of person because a taxman was uh, seen bad by his own fellows because he was a member of the Jews uh, who had chosen to help the Roman government to pick up uh, the, the taxes from them. So nobody liked the, the, um, the taxman. And now he says, meanwhile the taxman slammed in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy, forgive me a sinner. That was his prayer. Jesus commented, this taxman, not the other one, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simple, simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. In other words, God is telling us, Jesus is saying in this story, be real. Be real. 
don't, don't pretend something that is not really there. Now, I'm not saying that the tax collector, like I said before, was lying. He was saying the truth, but his heart wasn't being real. He wasn't being real in, in the way that he was really asking God. He, was, he just wanted to show an appearance before everybody because God knew his heart. His heart wasn't in the right place. Whereas this other man did not even feel worthy. And I think over and over in the scripture we see how God, Jesus especially, we see in the New Testament, how Jesus is touched by men and women who are humble, who feel they don't deserve his love or his mercy or his favor or his grace, yet they are the ones more worthy than anybody. You remember the story when Jesus goes into the, the house of, uh, of the, um, Simon and, uh, and a woman comes in to the house and it says that she weeps on Jesus' feet and cleanses his feet with her hair and then pours oil all over his feet. And Simon says, if, the, if Jesus was a real prophet, he would know what type of woman is doing this. And then Jesus, knowing what was in his heart, says to him, Simon, I came into your house and you didn't kiss me. Yet this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I walked in, since she's walked in. I came into your house and you didn't offer to wash my feet. Yet this woman, with her tears, has cleansed my feet, with her uh, hair, has wiped her tears. And then she, and he ends up saying, to him who much is forgiven, loves much. And to him who little is forgiven, loves little. In other words, saying this woman really has felt the weight of her sins. That's why she is so repentant. And she receives all of the forgiveness. That's why she gives me so much love. Yet perhaps you, this is me paraphrasing, perhaps you, Simon, feel that you've not done much that you are a righteous man, that's why you don't love me as much, or you don't show me that love, that affection like this woman. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to have humble attitudes before the Lord, or are we going to continue with a pride attitude? I pray today that you're able to leave this place looking at this, at this parable, looking at the text of James, and saying, Lord, if there is pride in my heart, May you change it. Lord, if there is arrogance in, in, in the way that I'm doing things, Lord, help me get closer to you so that we can resist the devil. There's more ways of resisting the devil. There's more ways of uh, getting closer to God, of submitting ourselves to God. Of course there is. I'm just sharing a few so that we can work on that this year, that the Holy Spirit may speak into your hearts and, and show you the things that you need to do. I think there is nothing better than the Word of God giving you that light. You know, sometimes it feels like, you know, where we are is dark, and then when the Word of God comes and it brings clarity. Um, I, I um, recommend this year when you read your Bible, you know, uh, you might have the King James, the New King James, but, you know, if you're able to, to get other translations, read from other translations because it will open up the words in ways that you feel, okay, now I understand what God is saying to me. Now I understand what he's transmitting to me. I want you to leave this place knowing that when we talk about friendship with God and, and, and enmity, uh, or friendship with the word and enmity with God, 
God, is, God doesn't want us to be disconnected with the world. If anything, we need to be in the world. We need to be doing, when we are God's hands, we are the salt and the light of the world. We need to be with those who don't know Christ. But what we cannot be is do the things that they do because then there will be no difference between us and them. Us, and I don't mean that we're better than them. I mean because we have Christ in us and, they, and that should be like a light. People should be able to see it. We should be able to, to be an example to them. We should be able to, to show them, you know, how Christ and his mercy and his love can change someone's life. Um, I ask you there where you are to stand up. We're going to pray and ask God to, to fill us with his presence. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. Father, we pray. We pray like the taxman prayed, Lord. Give us mercy. Forgive us, Lord, for we are sinners. Lord, only you know each heart. Only you know the things that we are going through, each one of us in different ways, at different seasons in our lives, Lord. Yet, all, we all need your mercy. We all need your favor. We all need your forgiveness, Lord. We ask you today, Father, if there's been any pride in our lives, Lord. May you take that away from us. Father, help us to, to be able to repent to be able to, to have conviction in our heart, to know that we've been doing wrong, Lord. And help us to have a humble attitude, Lord. Help us, Lord, to deal with those around us. Father, you know, you know our hearts, in our hearts desire, Lord. We want to serve you in our hearts desire, Lord. We want to give you our best. Father, help us to give you our best, that we will resist the devil this year, Lord that we will resist him in the actions that we do, Lord, that we will flee from temptation, that we will flee from doing the wrong things, Lord. Help us, Father, be men and women, Lord, who, who are carriers of your presence, Lord. May we submit to you, Father, every, every day. May we submit to you, Lord, eh, knowing, Father, that when we submit to you, you give us even more grace. You give us more abundant grace, abundant favor, Lord. I pray, Father, today that just like um, the tax man who went out after he prayed, he was made right with you, Lord. May we be made right with you, Lord. May we leave this place today knowing that you have cleansed us. You have cleansed our hearts. You have cleansed our, our minds. You have cleansed our hearts from all evil. Father, I pray that our hearts will be filled with love, will be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, it's so hard sometimes to love those who mistreat us, it's hard to love those and to pray for those who wish evil against us, Lord. But today, we acknowledge, Father, that in order to resist the devil and in order to submit to you, Father, 
we need to choose the right thing. And so I pray today, Father, that you help us to, to be men and women who acknowledge your presence wherever we are. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Can we make a prayer together, please? Can we say, Lord Jesus, we ask you today to come into our hearts, to fill us with your presence. We ask you to cleanse us from all sin, from all evil in our hearts. Help us to have a humble attitude, one of gratitude, and we ask you today, fill us with your presence. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Let's give a mic.